0: believe that in May that uh, there's going to be graduates around here. And there'll be a lot of different graduates graduating from a lot of different locations and uh, different things. There'll be college graduates, there'll be high school graduates, there'll be K-4 and K-5 graduates. I mean, there'll be graduate graduates all over the place. And uh, it goes by so fast. Um, we were just talking in the green room just a few minutes ago. We have prayer time in there before service. And Chris, Pastor Chris, he just finished up his master's degree from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So we're grateful for that. Congratulations, brother! When you graduate, you become an alumni. How many alumni do we have in here from colleges all over? Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. We were discussing what that means, and basically we've come to the conclusion that if you're an alumni, all that really means is they're going to be asking you for money the rest hey. of your life, right? Is that right? Yeah, alumni means they're just going to be asking for money. Uh, but there are some prestigious things that go along with graduating from a college or a university. I mean, it's something of, uh, of status to be able to say that I graduated from the university of, you fill in the blank, yours is the best one, right? And so uh, when, you, when you do that, that carries a passion that goes along with it. With that mindset and thinking about that, I want to continue um, the talk that I, that I started in, in preaching about this issue of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, discipleship is to Jesus Christ what alumni is to your university. I am a disciple of Christ. And because I'm a disciple of Christ, where I go, I tote his name. It's the same thing with, with where I, I graduated from Luther Rice with my undergraduate. And I also went uh, to the Stephen Olford Institute of Biblical Preaching. And, um, and that, that is something of a real blessing that I was able to attend that fellowship and be a part of that. I mean, that's, I, I, I was able to sit and listen to Stephen Olford uh, preach and dissect sermons and learn from him and just be in a room with, with 15 to 20 other individuals and just absolutely amazed uh, at what he brought to the table. And walking away from that, not only do I carry uh, Shane Robertson when I come and preach, but I'm also sharing the things that I learned in all the institutions that I graduated uh, from, all of the alumni that I am a part of. Uh, They pretty much made me who I am. Jesus Christ made you who you are as a born-again child of God. And as a disciple, you should look like Jesus. Now, in the question that I want to answer this evening is what are the qualities of a disciple? If you are a born-again child of God, what are the qualities of that discipleship? What does that look like? and I, there's no way I'm going to be able to install them. There's a bunch of them in the Bible. Uh, but I did write down ten of them. And I'm probably not going to get through all of them. I'm probably only going to be able to give you about uh, maybe four. Try to give you five. And then when we'll come back. Not next week because we've got the Super Bowl next week. But when I come back, uh, when we come back together on a Sunday night, I'll give you the next five. So uh, let's see if we can get through five of them tonight. So the first one I want you to think about in the qualities of a disciple. Number one, the first one I wrote down is to be passionately committed to Jesus Christ. To be passionately committed to Jesus Christ. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, then I'm going to be passionately committed. The same is true with your school that you're an alumni at. You're passionately committed uh, to the school. Uh, I mean, look... (laughs) I know what side my bread is buttered on. I know we're right here at the University of Georgia, okay? Uh, And I know Georgia Tech's got it. I'm seeing you. I hear you, brother. But I'm going to be honest with you, like me, you're outnumbered. (laughs) And the bottom line is this, though. He's sitting there shaking his head, and he's going, I don't care. I don't care how many of them Bulldogs in here. I'm a Tech fan. You know why? Because he's passionately committed to his university, and the same is true with the rest of us. Many of you, you know that. I mean, I I I, I root for the University of Alabama. Please don't boo in church. That's not appropriate. <laughs> but because I'm passionately committed to that, it's not uncommon to see me wearing my jersey on Saturday. I got. I'm going to town with my hat on, and man, I just I'm passionate about this. In the same way, we are to be passionate about Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when you think about this passionately committed to Christ, God is calling you and I to come close to Him and to learn of Him and to know that He is the primary source of our strength and we can't do anything without Him. And we must be so passionately committed to Him in such a way that we're willing to forsake all others. That ought to be the one thing that draws us together. We may be divided on which football, college football team we root for, but bless God, we should never be divided when it comes to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, listen to what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Man, you talk about harsh words. Man, that is harsh. But we've got to remember what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying go out and hate people. People think he's saying go out. No, it's not what he's saying. He says Jesus has got to be number one in your life. Even above your own life. That if it comes to hating your own life, you hate your own life to follow Jesus. He's got to be the primary source of your strength. Let me ask you, what's the primary source of your strength tonight? Uh, you know what's sad is for many weak or immature disciples, the source of their strength is their situation. Is everything going okay? If everything's going okay, then they're okay. But when they get down, when they got a dad that's sick, I'm grateful to God we've got a, a youth pastor, a student minister here that's on staff that says, God's in control of this thing. He, he, he's got my dad. And whatever happens, all the glory is going to go to Him. Boy, Jesus is the source of our strength, and we must be passionately committed to Him. Now, a lot of people will say being passionately committed to Him uh, means that, man, you've got to be at the church every time the doors are open. No, not necessarily. But you've got to be passionately committed to Him every time, every moment, every day, every second, every moment. You've got to be in tune with Him. And as a born-again child of God, being passionately committed to Jesus Christ means that you desire to grow up in your faith. Now, look, I know I'm preaching to the Sunday night crowd. My stars, if anybody wants to grow in their faith, it's the Sunday night crowd. Amen? I mean, we're going to come out. This is when the time changes. When you look outside, I, let me look out there. Yeah, it's, it's dark. It's dark. But the good news is it's getting lighter outside. And and there'll be more to come on Sunday evening when the the sun didn't go down so fast. But the bottom line is simply this. You're here because you want to learn about Jesus. You want to know more about Him. And the question is, at what level are you committed to Him? Let's, Let's take a little test. Don't answer out loud. Just answer in your heart. Out of seven days this week, how many days... Did you have your devotion, your devotion, just you and the Lord, out of seven days? Number two, out of seven days, how many days did you set aside and spend some time in prayer on those days? Number three, out of seven days, how many people did you come in contact with? And of those people you came in contact with, how many did you share Jesus with? Uh, I've heard some preachers say this, and, and it's true. But they say it with pride, and I don't want to come across that way. I, that is not, I don't want, but they'll say something like this. They'll say, uh, bless God, you show me your checkbook, and I'll show you what you're committed to. And then there's some truth to that, though, isn't there? I mean, there's some truth to that. And again, not trying to come across as being mean or ugly or harsh or pride-filled. But think about it. We do spend our money on the things that we're committed to. Why do I send $100 to Luther Rice every year? I want to see them invest in that that student, in another student. Maybe like me that couldn't afford it. That that needs somebody to, to come alongside and help pay for their books or something. The same is true with Christ. At what level am I committed to Christ? A disciple is passionately committed to Jesus Christ. Number two. The second one. Uh, A disciple of Jesus Christ, the second quality, is they have an extraordinary love for people. An extraordinary love for people. Jesus modeled for you and I what extraordinary love really is. He willingly gave his life on our behalf. And he teaches us to love one another. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he says this. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. A true disciple of Jesus Christ is extraordinarily in love with other people. And that love is not some kind of romantic love that I'm speaking of. No, it is a love that you care about an individual's soul and you don't want to see them die and go to hell. You want to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When I was, uh, when I was a kid, we used to have uh, Camp Cusa. It was a camp for mentally challenged children. And uh, the, ch- the students used to work it. And, man, we had always had a good time. It was always, always fun. And every day of Camp Cooses, just like Vacation Bible School, but was for people with special needs, uh, we would all come in the worship center, and we'd all sit on the front row, or they would sit on the front row. And um, uh, we'd just have a talent contest. I mean, we just, every week, we'd do your talent, a talent for something. And we had this guy there. His name was Phil. And Phil loved Jesus with all of his heart. And Phil, every time we did our talent show, had to stand up. And his talent was to tell the weather. Yeah, it was hilarious. Phil would get up there in front of everybody and he'd, he'd stand up there and go, It's hot. It's waney, It's cold. It's hot. It's waney, Cold. Hot. It's waney, Cold. Hot. Hot and cold. waney, Cold. Hot. Hot. And he'd go back down and sit down. Anybody got any other talents? No, nobody would say anything. Then there'd be another Scott would stand up over here and he'd get up there. He'd play the air guitar. Ain't no music. I mean, there's no music at all, but man, he's just ripping. He's tearing it up and it makes Any other talent? Phil would get back up. He'd say, I forgot. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's rainy. It's hot. And Jesus loves you. And then he'd go back and say, Listen, you would love Phil. So Phil would go to the mall. And Phil would take some tracks with him to the mall. And he loved people so much. And this was truly his heart. And if you ever met Down Syndrome children or children with special needs, I mean, they've got like a real serious heart for people. And I, I think, really, we could learn a lot from the love that they have. Unconditional everybody. And I loved Phil because you'd see Phil and he would be in the mall and he'd be passing out tracks. Well, Phil got in trouble one day at the mall, passing out tracks. And, and it's not what you think. He didn't get in trouble for passing them out. He got in trouble because he would go into the bathrooms, and he would go up under the stalls, <laughs> and he'd say, Hill, read this. Here, read. this is a true story. You can't make this up." And really, and they weren't. They couldn't be upset with him about it. I mean, they. Ha- I mean, everybody was happy with Phil. But they couldn't let him do that. And so they had to create him. He had to stop. But the reason why Phil did that is because he loved people. And he didn't care where he was at. He was willing to love them right where they were. Jesus taught us that same love. And we are called to love others. And let's be honest. Man, we're living in a world where it is really very easy to find somebody that doesn't agree with the same thing you agree with. Doesn't like the same thing you like. And really probably don't like you. But God has called us to love them. And to give them a cup of cold water. to try to help meet their needs. And to love them to Jesus. As a true disciple, one of the primary qualities is to have an extraordinary love for people. I heard Jim Cimbala tell a story one day. He, he said uh, he was there at Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he said it is not unusual during church service to have three or four different bums come in during the service. They'll come in right off the streets, and they'll just come in. He said that's just, that's their ministry. It happens. And he says one day during the ministry, he was given an invitation at the end of the sermon. And he stood up and he was waiting for for people to come down uh, after he preached this message. And he noticed right when he started the invitation, uh, this uh, individual off the streets, came off the streets, came in the back and sat in the back right at the invitation. Well, when he told everybody to stand up, this one stood up and immediately stepped out in the aisle and started walking forward. Jim Symbolis says, I believe it's in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, says that this is as he's walking up, Jim says, I could smell him before he got to me. He said it was putrid. And he said, in my mind, I thought, I don't want to help this guy. I've studied, I've prayed, my church has come, my church is here, I've delivered the message to the church, and this guy comes in off the street, I do not want to minister to him. And he said, the stench was so strong, I smelled him before he got to me. It was very obvious that he had not had a bath and he said he came to me and he reached out his hand and he said I knew I was ready he was going to say the same thing they all say I need some financial help and he said God tore me apart because the man stood in front of me and said I need to give my heart to Jesus And Jim Simbler said at that very moment, he broke and started crying. And he said that nasty, putrid smell of a bum that had been living on the streets and hadn't had a bath all of a sudden turned into the sweetest perfume you can ever imagine. And that man gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Got enrolled in a program that they had there at the church. And today, at this very day, helps lead the choir and the musicians at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. What an amazing story. All because of love for people. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you're going to love people like that, it's got to be extraordinary. Can, can I just say this, Mary Beth? I'm telling you. Women all over this place. All over. You had 60 women in over here on Wednesday night. I mean, praise God. And not of them, all of them are the same. There's a lot of needs in a crowd of 60 women. You gotta have an extraordinary love if you want to be in women's ministry. Same thing with men's ministry. You gotta have an extraordinary love for people. And get calls from the same individual. I mean, all the time, calling. And, I, and I'm just like Jim Symbol. I have those thoughts. Man, I don't want to call this guy back. He's going to tell me the same thing he told me last week. Jesus, he'd call him back. He'd love him. Why? Because Jesus had an extraordinary love for people. How do you know? Because he loved me. And he loves you. And a true disciple will have an extraordinary love for people. So the next time you pass that, that. Bum or that street walker or whatever on the street. The next time you pass them. And the Holy Spirit of God tugs at your heart and says you need to do something. Don't let the devil get in the mix. And say oh don't do that. Don't do that. You better listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. I I used to have a ministry. I used to be at Cherry Street Baptist Church. In Atala, Alabama. Uh, The way you get there is you went through a viaduct. Anybody know what a viaduct is? Where a train goes over. We called it the gateway to Gadsden. It was great. I ministered over there on the gateway to Gadsden. We were right beside the railroad tracks. Man, we'd have... Man, there'd be people come in there all the time walking the railroad tracks. I mean, living on the streets. Bad, bad, bad. We always kept chili in the refrigerator just for them. And we always would invite them in and feed them some lunch. And they never came to church. They never... They, they, we never, we see probably two or three people give their heart and life to Jesus and off they go and you'd never see them again. The Bible says be careful, you may be entertaining angels An extraordinary love for people. Number three, here's the third one. I'm not even going to make it past this one. Let me give you the third one and I'll be done. Number three, true disciple. We're talking about the qualities of a true disciple. A true disciple also has a heart or the heart of a servant. The heart of a servant. If you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you have the heart of a servant. Uh, true greatness, true greatness begins with humility. The Bible tells us that to be great, we must serve others. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says this But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. That's what Jesus said. You want to be great? serve. What is the quality of a disciple? To have a servant's heart. Um, It doesn't take much to serve. There's all kind of opportunities uh, to serve around here. You just got to find out where it is and just get involved uh, and just just do it. I mean, uh, looking for opportunities, we we need greeters. We need um, prayer warriors. We need Sunday school teachers, I, I was talking to a, uh, a gentleman just the other day about Sunday school, David, and I said, um, what Sunday school class you in? He told me. I said, who's your outreach leader? He said, we don't have one. I said, well, you want to serve, right? He said, well, yeah, that's why I'm coming to you. I want to serve. Well, why don't you be the outreach leader in your Sunday school class? That would be a great fit for you. That would be a perfect thing for you to do. And so the opportunities are there. It's just we need to jump in and get involved. Uh, I know I've bragged on him. I'm very, very proud of him. And I know you probably know this, but I, I'm, so, I'm so thankful for, for Mr. Porter over here, Mr. Christopher, uh, Chris Porter. I, I'm very grateful for him. Uh, he does his 100% best, and all of our staff do, but he's been with me the longest uh, in this respect. And I, we put him over there in children's ministry, and boom, he thrived in, in that. And then we pulled him out. We put him over there in college ministry. Boom! He just drives in that. And uh, put him up here on Sunday morning to preach. Boom! He drives in that. Preacher, you better watch. He's going to take your job. All, all the rest of this. I'm proud of this brother. I mean, he's got, he's got it. And what is it? The it that he's got? A servant. He's a servant. Uh, I don't know what he's got with this Amish beard thing going on, but he's. I mean, he's, he's, he's a servant. He's a servant. I'm just kidding. He knows I'm just kidding. And I'm grateful for his servitude. This is a true character quality that Jesus says we ought to have as disciples. So I I want to ask you a question tonight in closing. Here, uh, I got ten. We we got through three of them. Uh, Number one, passionately committed to Jesus Christ. Two, have an extraordinary love for people. And number three, have the heart of a servant. Would you look at your life and just kind of say, Lord, when I look at the Word of God and measure my life to this, am I really, truly, passionately committed to you? Do I hunger and thirst after righteousness and, and want to have that daily quiet time every day? Uh, number two, what about your extraordinary love for people? If somebody says, I love people, but they never, Talk to people, then I don't really think they really love people. I think they really want to love people. But if you want to love somebody, you got to put yourself out there. That's what's hard, is putting yourself out there. And then number three, the heart of a servant. Um, j- just, and I, y'all know I'm, I'm strange, I'm weird. Like right now, there's a ladybug crawling on this front pew. I've been watching him the whole time, wondering... <laughs> If he's hearing anything, I mean, he's the only one on the front row on this side right here. Uh, and, and I know, y'all know, know I got a, I get distracted really easy. And uh, I just got here this morning, and I got to preach at the 815 service, so I like to try to get here a little early and get my microphone on and get me some water, make sure everything's taken care of, cut my TV on so people can that pray in my office during the services can can have the see the sermon and, and see what's going on there. Uh, and then I walk across the street. And while I'm walking across the street, uh, some dear saint who loves Jesus with all their heart took their teacup from Chick-fil-A sometime this week and jammed it in the light post uh, there in the parking lot. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying it was there. And I'm walking by it. And the preacher's got to make a decision. Is that is it his job to pick it up or not? Well, yeah, it's my job to pick it up. Why? Because I want to be a servant. So picking up trash isn't a problem for me. And I know y'all probably thought I was crazy this morning, walking to the eight fifteen service with a with a with a cup in my hand. Yeah, I know, I see it, Donna. There's a piece of paper right in my feet, and I and I, I see it. You, I but they thought I, I know y'all thought I was crazy. You said it's Sunday morning. He's walking in here with a tea a teacup from Chick Fil A. Well, it wasn't didn't have anything in it. It was trash. I Walked in and I threw it, I threw it away. Uh, why did you do that? Because that's what I hope you would do. You, you would pick it up, wouldn't you? You wouldn't just leave that there. We, we want our campus to look nice for our guests. And not only that, we want to serve in any capacity that we, we can. If somebody comes up and says, hey, can you help me get to Sunday school? Or, hey, where's the restroom at? You, you'll be the first ones. The Sunday night people will be the first ones to serve. So so my question to you is this. Where where are you serving? Where are you serving? Maybe you don't know because you just need to get spend some time with the Lord. And that's what we want to do now. My time's up. I'm out of time. So, Phil, where are you? Come up here and get on the piano or somebody. Phil, where are you? We're going to pray. Is he in here? Is he listening to this sermon? Bless God. You better tell him to come in here. He's he's watching online. I mean, on the the, he's going to come in here in just a minute. But let's think about it. Let's go. There he comes. Everybody, yay. He's coming to serve. And, he, and he's been doing a great job, by the way. It's just the last 45 minutes he messed up. Just kidding. i so joking. joking. Could you join me as we pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Maybe you're here today. And maybe you have been struggling with some of these areas. Maybe when you took that little test about your commitment to the Lord, maybe the Lord pricked your heart and said, man, you know what? You really could use a... You could use a tune-up in the area of your commitment because your, your daily devotion life is hit and miss, child. And I want to spend more time with you than that. Maybe you're here today and struggling with your service. Why don't you just come get in the altar and ask God, God, would you reveal to me just exactly where you want me to serve? And then then last of all, maybe you're here and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're just, uh, you know, you've gone through the motions, you've been religious, but you've never been committed, you've you've not committed yourself to Jesus Christ. Would you do that tonight? Tonight, commit yourself to Jesus How would I do that, preacher? Just simple like this. From your heart to God's heart, would you pray this? Would you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you are the Messiah. And tonight I ask you to save me, to cleanse me of my sin. Wash me tonight. I trust you as my Savior. In Jesus' name.